0: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. Now, it smiles all round after Saturday's hard-fought semi-thrashing against Huddersfield, and with Nottingham Forest losing, and Leeds beginning their annual capitulation, Fulham, like Scarlett Johansson at last night's BAFTAs, have found themselves sat looking very pretty, three points off the top, two in the Championship. It was a topsy-turvy game on Saturday, 3-0 up after 30 minutes, and the thought alone of our projected XG left George Singer nursing until the beginning of the second half. However... In true Fulhamist fashion, we found ourselves conceding two goals in quick succession and through lapses of concentration and some individual brilliance from Huddersfield Arsenal low-knee Emile Smith-Rowe, it was 3-2 at half-time. Fulham managed to see out a Nervy final passage, which saw Rodak pull off some fine saves to see us home and bag us three points. Lots to cover tonight. We're going to discuss Saturday's performance, have a bit of fun discussing Fulham's finest pubs, and preview our trip to Ewood Park this weekend. I'm George Cooper and I'm joined by the Fulhamish fashionista, Drew Heatley. Hello. Mr. Worldwide, Dominic Betts. Hello, hello. And it's today's stat man, Dara O'Curran. How are we, fellas? Are we all good? Very good, thank bad, you. Nice one, nice one. First and foremost, let's kick things off with some three word reviews. Dom, would you please do the honours?
2: Yeah, we start off on Twitter. We had John Brooker's Terrific to fied Will Brooks of Fulham's Maracle Worker. Aaron McGugan's Borry Maradona-Reed. go to Facebook. We had Craig Ward's Just Tom's Right Foot. Josephine Gretlin with Leeds a Catchable. And Peter Gransvist with Rodak's Terrier Sweat.
1: Thank you very much, Dom. Uh, There's a recurring theme there from those three-word reviews, which was hinging around the goals that we scored. I thought they were three of the best goals I've seen this season at the Cottage. What did you think, Drew? Uh,
0: Well, Bobby Reid's goal is by far my favourite Fulham goal this season. The way that he just drove from the the left into the box. uh, Done Richard Stearman for one and a couple of other Huddersfield players. I think Dave Preston said on Twitter it was Henri-esque and it really was and it's just it's great I said in uh, what was it Cam's five point review and, uh, that I covered for him earlier in the, the day that it's uh, it's nice to see him sort of come into his own and take that game by the scruff of the neck and I think that's what he did uh, early doors anyway on uh, Saturday
1: yeah absolutely I mean, he was a fantastic goal. Omri said the open up opening up the body right foot curled at him I personally didn't think it was the best goal of the game. I, I think I think Mitrovic, not just for the... I mean, you look at Bobby Reid on face value, his finish was probably better than Mitrovic's. But the, the build-up of play before Mitrovic's goal, we had about 50 passes or I something. It seems to go on forever. I thought it was sensational. And then the finish again off the crossbar. Um, Dom, what did you think? How was it to have the big man back?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was great to have him back just because it's not like... We are totally sort of lackluster without him up top. But I think in, in certain games, he's the kind of player you want up top. And I think you're not going to have the likes of Caviera and Bobby Reed sort of running by in Huddersfield's defence. Although, set did have the Bobby Reed's goal. They're obviously going to play a lot deeper line with with, with the Cowley brothers and what, how they've got them set up so far. So, yeah, it was great to see him back. Just something up there to, to, to stick hmm. the ball to, if that makes sense. Because in the Charlton game, that was what the biggest problem was. Obviously, there you had him not- out, you had Kamara out, you had Nockart out. There was just no options going forward, and that's what we really did have in the beginning of the first half against Huddersfield. So, yeah, it was great, great to see him back, great to see him getting the goals. This what his 19th league goal of the season. He's now joint top goal scorer with Ollie Watkins. Thankfully, he didn't get too many to overtake him during his injury. Uh, but yeah, no, it was great. I mean, Bobby Reed's goal. I think what people also I miss mean, out is, you know, Michael like just passed straight into Bobby Reed's chest and how he beats obviously his when ends up beating obviously Ex Fulham. Richard Stearman but I, I, I don't know the, the Kearney goal again it's on his right foot but I think you know for the team effort there was mitchell's goal and I've always always do love a good uh, team goal that Lucas Piazon one I can't remember who was it was it against Bristol City a few years ago where pretty much think everyone touched the ball so yeah it was, it was great to see but yeah three absolutely brilliant goals from us hmm. I think you've got to uh, also like give a shout out to Hector because we've talked a lot about his defensive uh, qualities
0: and what he's brought to the side once he's come in but actually the way we can move the ball out from the fence so much faster and much more accurately that ball from him to, to Bobby Reed as you said sublime and he can just do that as well so he's really an all-rounder I think he needs uh, props for, for the other side of his game as well
1: Yeah, Virgil van Mike I think he's <laughs> been, uh, been coined in previous podcasts and it, it was a scintillating opening half hour I mean I, I can't think of looking back at the season a, a more all round performance in the opening 30 minutes so far would you say Darren? It was it was quality all round I mean it's, it was night and day really from the Charlton game and
3: possibly it was Mitrovic that gave us that something extra where he forced the Huddersfield defenders to push back a little bit if you look at the Charlton game we didn't have anybody in the box at all Bobby Reid's doing things that we haven't seen our players doing all seasons taking on a player we haven't seen that Mitrovic goal and the Bobby Reid goal or not the Bobby Reid sorry the Kearney one it's two crosses that come in from the on the ground all our crosses have been terrible mm. so I like the signs signs were there good performance just keep it tight at the back start winning some tackles and get ourselves positionally better and
1: we'll, we'll be we'll be alright I mean, cut out silly errors uh, yeah we'll come on to that so obviously we had the Fantastic opening, and then two goals in very quick succession afterwards to bring it back to three-two. All of a sudden, Huddersfield in the game. Dom, do you feel like the way in which we conceded the goals is cause for concern, or do you feel like they were just well-worked goals from Huddersfield?
2: It was the same with big conceding goals all season. Like it wasn't anything new. It's come down in both the full-back areas, and that's where we've been most vulnerable all season long. I mean, mm. I was saying to Drew before before we started recording that if you looked at the like two or three-minute highlights at Sky upload on Sky Sports, you'd thought that. You know Joe Bryan and Sars Christie had brilliant games, but they didn't. I yes, they got an assist each, but defensively they were both still liabilities. I think Joe Bryan more than Sars Christie on the weekend. I think Sars Christy has probably been possibly the most consistent fullback in on the right hand side, but still, it still wasn't great. And I think that is our downfall at the moment. Is our is our fullbacks? I think that's our weakest area. I think the rest of the team is looking looking fluent and looking good. And you know, it's not like when we were under Slav where, you know, Target and Fredericks were so involved. Yes, Brian and Christie were involved in the goals on, on the weekend, but how often has that been? I don't think it's been that often because due down to their probably poor delivery of balls into the box. And you can look at them going forward, but, you know, that first of all, they're off, they are full-backs, they're not wing-backs. You know, their first job is to, you know, be solid defenders, I think people want Joe Bryan to do really well and so do mm. I but I do feel like he's he's overcompensating with his attacking play and it's making his defensive play still pretty bad I mean if you just look at the highlight for that second goal where is he? Mm. I think, I think he, that is one important point you need to make. Is yes, they both got an assist each, but they still weren't that good. I think you hit the nail on the head there when you say their full fullbacks not wingbacks. But
0: that Saturday game showed the best and the worst of both of their, exactly. of both, of their both of their games. But the only difference is, is, as you say, the defensive responsibilities are the more important ones for them uh, now, uh, and and that's really what it comes down to, I think, for both of them. And there's no shortage of industry from either side. Like Cyrus Christie does try his hardest, and he's got that endeavour, but he's got always, you know, I've always had those question marks over his quality and and, you know, Joe Bryan, affable character, nice chap. but, you know, does it translate? It's definitely the, the problem areas that we have, but, you know, then you'll have the neutral say, yeah, but they're giving you assists, and it's, you know, it's difficult.
1: Yeah, you've got to weigh up those you know, pros and cons as, as with any player. I mean, looking forward to the next game, obviously Terence Congolo, who coincidentally, did you see, boys, was 500-1 to 1 to become the next Crystal Palace manager, <laughs> bizarrely, on Paddy Power. You can check that out. Anyway, do, he was obviously cup-tied or illegible for uh, for the game on Saturday because of parent club and all club-tied. that. club Yeah, club-tied, mm-hmm. that's the one. Do we maybe bring him in at left back and, and change things up a bit, or do you think that it's maybe too? premature no, I, I, and would be too trigger happy to do that at this stage. I think you
2: bring him in, you bring him in at centre back, and you move Adoy to left back, and you Christy okay. at right back. I don't. I, I'd, I'd rather have Dennis Adoy at left back than Joe Bryan. I think he just offers a lot more defensive solidity, and I think that's where that's what we should be going. That's what I'd like to see anyway. I'd like to see yeah yeah Joe Joe Bryan not in the side, move Adoy to the left hand side, have Congolo and, and Hector with Cyrus Christy on the right hand side because. I think Cyrus Christie is just that somewhat a bit better defensive move than Joe Brown, whereas I think Joe Brown is just totally inept when it comes to defending. And I think, and I, I <laughs> think, little soundbite there from Dom. And I, but but I <laughs> Tell do, us what you really think, mate. But, but then, and, then, and I think Dennis Doyle will bring that. I think wherever you're going to play Dennis Doyle against the back four, he's going to do a job. He's been probably our best, if or maybe our most consistent defender all season long.
1: Far from
0: Hector, we're, we're from going to look back in played. five years and realise like ha- he's not underrated, but we're just going to realise how. Special adoi has been, I think, all round. Like, and you look at his body of work from the moment he joined to when he eventually goes. I think, uh, I think we've say we've judged him. Harshly at times, um, but you know overall, I think we'll be really pleased with the contribution that he's made. Not just his standout moments like Derby in the semi and some of his Ed's gone moments. He's he's never been dull, but he has been uh, yeah probably one of our best defenders this season. So I was I'd agree with Dom. I would think that any plans that might have been to do anything around the left back area of Gongolo has probably been uh, blown out of the water if this Morrison injury mm. is confirmed to be. Season ending, then then that screws up anyway. So it probably would be Adoy, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess so. And then go, just adding on to your point about Adoy, I I, I think you'd be obviously you've got the obvious ones, Mitch Rich, but you've, I think you'd be hard pushed to find a more. Generally, adored player in this current Fulham squad. Just you know, his character. You see, when you go um, come back from away days, he gets off the uh, gets off the coach and gets the tube home, and he's just getting mobbed by all the supporters chanting his name. But he really does seem to love it here, and um, and yeah, no, we, we certainly do love him as well. So, individual performances. We Rodak was comprehensively our Fulhamish man of the match in terms of your uh, the listener reviews. Dora, do you think without him, this game goes differently? Quite possibly. He made a string of saves, especially in the second half.
3: I mean, some of them were, you could say they were at him, but mm. his reflexes were, were really good that he was able to just adjust quickly and, and make the save. Some of them had a lot of power to them. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know. you yeah. definitely bet now you, you wouldn't have the same faith that he'd be making the same saves. So
1: I just feel like he's bought an overall... Uh, settled our defence down I feel Mm. like at times we were very frantic with with Bettinelli and do obviously love Bettinelli and the, the things that he's done for the club especially the season we went up and so on but I just feel with Rodak now everything's more calm and it just sets a more steady president which gives everyone that little bit more confidence and has generally boosted the whole team's performance yeah I,
0: think, uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, I think. I saw on Twitter, Archie Rintut said he's our best keeper since Swartz, so, and it's difficult to disagree with that. I think we've always struggled in that position. Well, we haven't had a consistent number one yeah. since for though? that reason, though, right? Yeah,
2: like we had what was it, Stecklenburg, and then you and him in and Stockdale were sort of fighting for the jersey. You move into the championship, you've had what we've had. Betnelli played. We've had Jerome Caray. Yeah, we had Gabo Caray. we <laughs> Yoran and Andy Lonigan, Joe Lewis is sort of in and around the squad. So. It is. It's probably you yeah, the first one we've sort of been comfortable with a keeper since. So you can with Archie, you can you can definitely see where he's coming from.
0: But you've done. He, he's kept, He's going to keep it in because he's so good. There's not going to be. I don't think there's going to be any debate now. No. I think Bettinelli was on his way out in January. Who knows what happened? Something might have fallen through at the last at the last minute. But I think he was definitely on his way. We brought in that uh, that chap from Millwall or the free agent from Rocker uh, That's, Archie. that's mm. the one. That's the chap we will never. We'll probably never Fuck see. No. <laughs> um, but like I think uh, I think the performance since it's come in have shown that it's not going to be uh Bettinelli versus X, Y, or Z anymore. I think it's gonna be uh Rodak and whoever's on
1: the bench. Got yeah, good stuff. I wanted to quickly touch upon our overall game management and something that maybe Scott Parker and we've been criticised for in the past, especially Scott Parker, when it comes to substitutes. I felt the substitutes on Saturday were bang on exactly what we needed. Even though we were defending a one goal lead and I didn't feel for any point in the second half as if we were going to throw away the game. There were some nervy moments, but I felt overall, if you take the half and face value, we we looked okay. But Harry the one for Kevin McDonald, which I feel is the perfect substitution that you want to make at that time. And then Kamara, I felt when he came on, did a good job. We just needed somebody up front who's going to run the ball into the corner, run down the clock. Do you think that... We- Scott Parker specifically is starting to get the hang of this team and know who to bring on at the right time.
2: Well, I think he's, he's probably, this has probably, probably been the weekend where he's had his most fit squad. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> for, but, but yeah, no, I think oftentimes when we have needed to bring on someone like an Arthur for McDonald or Johansson for Kearney, those options haven't been there. So. Mm. His substitutions will naturally then look worse. You feel it would be difficult to criticise him for that. I in mean, the he, past? He's he has got them wrong, but he's got them wrong due to the fact there is no one else to bring on, so maybe it is better to have mm. the player on the pitch who's on anyway. But yeah, as you said, I think they will make sense. You know, Kamara come on for Cavallero, you know, someone who's just, as you said, going to run out of the defence. You have Arthur oh, so for Ken McDonald, someone a bit more, adds a bit more mobility to the team, and then, you know, you you, you then add Stephanie Hansen in for Tom Kearney, who's going to offer more sort of a box to box and more energy in the midfield, especially alongside Harry Arter. So yeah, it probably was one of the few times he has got his substitutions right this season. But I think Scott Parker, when we have been in winning positions, has made the right decisions. Mm. I think what he doesn't know how to do is how to switch it when we're in the losing position. I think he he finds that a lot harder. I think he finds it very easy to solidify our position as opposed to trying to chase a game.
0: Mm. I think they were they were logical, they were decisive. The only criticism I would have, a little one, is that the third third and final substitution made a tad too early for my liking. Just uh I always like to hold on back because you just don't know what's going to happen during the last the last 10, last 20. Um, so other than that, yeah, it's like I think it's like Dom says, it's when, when they're under the cross, how do you switch it up and how do you get your plan B into action? That's when you really see the cut of a man's jib.
1: Yeah, <laughs> for want of a better expression. <laughs> uh, before we have a quick break, I just wanted to touch upon something that made me laugh, which was we talking about that game management running down the clock. Did anyone see when Mitrovic, it must have been close to full-time, if not in injury time, was chasing down the ball and he managed to force a throw-in, but the Huddersfield defender had put it between, on the Riverside stand, the barrier, and then that weird trampoline sign that says, raise the roof or whatever, and then the amount of time it took for our ball boys to get the ball back to them, and everyone just sort of looks around as if to say, "I've not been trained for this situation." I just thought it was quite enjoyable. What ever happened to multi-ball?
0: multi-ball. Like, what's what's the insurance like for these ball boys if they're going to have to traverse that building site? Like, get Junior on case. what's yeah. he, what's he Wait, doing? Where's Junior? He's to... still there. He's flogging that dead horse like, with that with that flag. <laughs> I thought he was. I hadn't been to the cottage in a couple of months, uh,
1: and to come back, and he's still there.
3: Yeah, you don't notice him as much anymore because he's not just up on the on the terrace; yeah. it's gone. Yeah.
1: Oh, he's he's. he's Lost his platform mm. literally, it meant, it meant more ways than one. Anyway, thanks very much, boys. We're going to uh, have a quick break now and then we're going to have your listener questions after this. If you enjoy Fulhamish and listen to us on Apple Podcasts,
3: please consider giving us a positive rating and review. It really helps us to reach new Fulham fans across the world. If you don't use Apple but want to give us a review, head to the Fulhamish Facebook page and give us a rating there instead. Thank you.
1: Okay, welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. I'm joined by Drew Heatley. Hello. Dara Khan. Hi. And Dombex. Hello, hello. We've got some listener questions for you now to get our teeth sunk into. Uh, the first one we're going to take is from Matt Chan- Chantry on, on Twitter and he's got a couple of questions that I feel like we've already covered within the build-up but this one stuck out. Has K-Mac secured his place at DM for the rest of the season or will Reid take it back when fit? Drew, what's your opinions on this one?
0: Uh, I think Kevin MacDonald brings a he brings a lot of intangibles to the side. And I think as long as he doesn't have to run, he's not too bad. But as you can see, if I just feel the first goal, as soon as things get a bit pacey, he does struggle. But I love having him at the in, in that position in, in midfield. I just think he does bring a lot of good qualities. But as you say, like the game when it gets a bit fast, he's in trouble. So I would think. Probably Reed would take it back, but I have to say i have enjoying his uh, his renaissance of late. Mm. Uh, I just I just love seeing him in the side, just for the character that he is, but also for the stuff that he brings to the team. But uh, he's not he's not the complete player anymore that he was. That you know, not that he ever was the complete player, but he's not uh, he's not what he was. And I think uh, for that reason, Reed will probably come back. Um, I think if Reed was not injured, maybe we would have made a move to try and secure him if we could in in January. But uh, we'll see whether we do in the summer based on what happens in the next couple of months.
1: Good stuff, good stuff. And uh, from the from the same source as uh, Matthew Chantry, another um, question that I've just seen: How big is that week from March fourteenth to March twenty first? Looking when we play Brentford, Leeds, and QPR, do we feel this will be season defining? Dara? I, I was
2: just, just going to say, I don't. I don't think it's just that week. I think it's
1: to the stretch it's, it onwards. It's even. the
2: March and April two months. We've got yeah. this period now where we've got six games before the end of February, mm. and you wouldn't, you 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 can't be. All those games you you don't expect to lose in them. If you're looking at them, you know the, the toughest are our next two games, which is Blackburn away and Millwall away. The rest of them, the home games against was it, is it Barnsley, Preston, and Swansea. Swansea yeah. You'd expect you expect to win like all all those five games. You you would go you would, if you approach them individually. Yeah, you'd say three points, or you you say we can get three points in this. I don't think two draws in our next two games are the end of the world because I think they are tough games. But then if you are going to get top two in the games we've got coming up after that, they are games you look at. I think it is the March and April. We've got to play Bristol City. We've got to play Brentford. We've got to play Leeds. We've got to play West We've got to play QPR. Forest. Be, yeah, Forest. we got to play Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, business time. It's, yeah. I mean, it is the part of the season, as you always said, George, where we do do the business. But it is, I think what is actually seen defining is this this run of six games, actually, until the end of the month. Because... You know, we can put ourselves in such a good position that if we are yeah. going into sort of March and April, not in the ascendancy, but, you know, we're not still chasing the pack and we're sort of, let's say we're in the top two, then I think that we're actually, we'll actually play better through that because it will just mm. be breeding confidence within the team. So, yes, that week is is going to be defining, but I think it's just that, that, that whole two-month period where we've got to play basically the entirety of the top six or seven. I
0: think the joy of being this high up in the league is the, the equation's really simple, isn't it? You win your home games and you don't lose your away games. If you want to finish top two, that's as simple as it gets. So, you know, it, it, to that degree, it's quite it's quite simple. So, yeah, you're right. I think uh, it's all of these games coming up. It's not just three games or a two-game run. It's, you know, we've got a really tough uh, end to the season, probably the toughest maybe out of the top six and you can see what a six game run did to Leeds uh, and if it happened to us it would be even worse because I think we'd, we'd easily drop out of the playoff places
1: mm. I mean it, it's a testament to the sort of league we found ourselves in this year that nobody's cut adrift yet with three points off the top two and even by Fulham's very high standards, we, we've not hit our stride. I don't think anyone would say that no. really, really. We've we've not seen the, what this would generally feel that this team is capable of. And I guess we're just lucky that... Do you feel like overall it's just a bit of a week here for the Championship?
2: Yeah, it's... it's I'm saying if this, if this was the season where we finished in the top six and Newcastle won the league mm. and, Bright, and Brighton went up as well, I don't think we'd be in the playoff places. I think... And I think you, if you look at the bottom of the league, it's basically how Charlton have won about... One in their last sixteen games, instead of above the bottom three. There's basically three very bad teams there in Barnsley, Luton, and Millwall. Not Millwall, sorry, Barnsley, Luton, and whom I think? Who's is it? On? Stoke was the other one. Wigan. Wigan. And you know, so, who so, uh, Leeds lost to? Yeah, yeah. Uh, t- I think two of their last three away wins have been at Elland Road. Um, <laughs> so I think, I, th- I think, I think, it, I think it is a very poor championship this year. But that makes it. It's weirdly, an even better watch.
1: Yeah, no, it's gonna it's gonna be entertaining. I mean, it always is. That's why Championship trumps the Premier League every every day, for, in my opinion. You go uh, in terms of I, I measure. I personally measure how entertaining a league is by the amount of nuts games you have. And you, I know you do obviously have more games, but I feel like generally speaking, there are more completely bonkers games in the Championship each year than there is in the Prem, and yeah. also any the variety of the people that could win it could. You know, compete whereas it's the same old they're getting harder to old, predict
3: old, all the games like yeah.
2: oh yeah who, trying, do, who, that, who, that, trying to put you
3: screwed up. yeah right. it's very hard this week I mean look look at Leeds what the two wins in the last eight and
1: one of those was a 5-4 against Birmingham mm. <laughs> yeah certainly Madness. crazy stuff crazy stuff right There's next plenty question. of twists and turns to come I reckon certainly is certainly is next question from Sam Pim do you think Fulham's lack of of convincing wins is a concern. We haven't won by 2 plus goals since the 26th of November 2019. Dara, what do you think on this one? Uh
3: not for me. I as long as we're winning, I'll take Doesn't that. Matter. I'll take
1: the three points.
3: Um we seem to be able to just grind out a result now and Yeah, Parker's just kind of he's not like moving away from this possession and just like mm. Win an ugly and let's just get the three points and get it over the line.
1: It's true because you would have thought, uh, looking at Saturday's game, it was the ideal opportunity. It was it, by all accounts should have been the thrashing, three 0 up after thirty minutes, and we still somehow made managed to make it a bit different. We always make difference. I, was
2: <laughs> to say, I think, the, think the bigger problem for us is we don't know what to do unless we take a fairly early lead in a game i think that's more worrying than, mm-hmm. and, than opposed to only just about sl- slowly winning games by the odd goal i think that you know when we go 1-0 down or it's you know 0-0 going into the 66th fifth minute that's where that's why i see more worrying that we don't seem to know what to do to switch it up or you know if a team's frustrating us we, we don't seem to be able to unlock them but I don't think us winning gold by five is fine because, as Dara said, you know, three points is just three points. My worry is just we need to find out or what. Like it's like we did against Huddersfield, is just go all guns blazing from the start because we know if we take the lead, we're most likely going to win the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: no, it's true. It's really. I've, I said this on full time. I always think Fulham struggle against, particularly against teams that you by all accounts, feel like he should be winning against. Once we concede first and they set up shop at the back, I find it very difficult to unstick teams. It links back to what you were saying. Scott Parker's good at helping us grind out, hold on to victories, but less so good when we need a creative outlet and need a little spark to get us back into the game or to get us to yeah. win the game. Hasn't there been only one game that we've come from behind this season? TPR, QPR. Yeah. Only game. That's the only one, and we were hilarious. relatively unlucky. We were unlucky in that one. That's, it's telling, though, isn't it? it it's is telling.
0: You combine that and you with the state of the league this year, and if we are lucky enough to go up, bloody work to do in the summer. Like that, there, there yeah. are questions to be asked and a lot of stuff that needs to be done because you get that false sense. of I think of security, every team that right? gets
2: up from this league uh, has got a question: how much work they got to do in the summer? Because oh, it's huge. They've, no one's been that good. But you, you're on a high because you got promoted, and you know you you, you suffer what uh, you know
0: you suffer these delusions of grandeur because actually you know we are at the moment we went up with this team and we had this team in the prem. Oh, there's so much dross in the prem, but we still we'd still struggle. So yeah, there's a lot of work to do if we do go up.
1: On that note, of the recruitments that we have had, this is another question. This is from uh, Gabriel Sutton uh, at Football Lab. Would you say Bobby Reed has been Fulham FC's most consistent outfield player this season?
2: I'm gonna go with Dennis a for our most consistent outfield player this season I just think whenever he's been called upon this season he's done what's needed at the back I think Bobby Reid he has he has been good but I just feel like for what Dennis Adoy off- offers our bat line compared to what others in that back line have I think if you're looking at our attacking players you could, may- you could maybe argue uh, out- obviously outside Mitrovic, it could be Bobby Reid for me it's just Dennis Adoy just because what that consistency he's offered into our defence this season
3: hmm.
0: I think Bobby Reid has sort of blossomed as the season's gone on I think he he had uh, a tougher start than um, than maybe we can actually remember. We all got behind him because we all think he's, uh, you know, we could all see he's got that that work rate in that endeavour. But I don't think it was easy for him to begin with. I think we, now he's coming into his own as we, we get.
3: We, he was kind of moved around the different positions yeah. around the front line, and he, he's only kind of finding his position now. Like you can't fault the work rate as you say. Yeah, he's
0: coming. He's coming into his own. I think you know him and Cav as well. Cav, uh, you know, we know he, we know he can find the top bins, uh, but he he's also had a similar sort of season where. Uh, he's actually done really well but he's been patchy in, t- in in times so but they've both been they've both done enough to get their, their permanent deals so i mm. think that probably says a lot
1: do, do you feel you're saying that they've both done enough to get their permanent deals do you feel like Anthony Knockout hasn't done enough to get Warren his permanent deal
0: in a word probably not um i don't know if many people would disagree with that i think um if you look at the three of them if you had to pick two i'm not saying this is what happened but you know they would be the ones to get it, and if you're third in line, hmm. no, I just for me they've done more um, to to warrant the, the deals, and I think it's telling that they never did anything with knockout which I presume. Well,
2: if you're looking at the other, the other three lenders: Harry Arter, Harrison Reed, and knockout, Harrison Reed's the one you take if you're choosing one out of three because he's the youngest again. So then he knocks down to fourth, right? So then you know, is it any?
3: Just the the end product from Knockart just isn't enough for me. Yeah, like it can't fault his effort and his passion, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't seem to. Like his crossing is really poor and his finishing at times as well. Has it always been? When he, what has he got? Two goals, three goals, maybe.
2: Yeah, Knockar has definitely. I still got a point to prove, whereas I feel like he like said, Bobby Reed and Cavier have point. have proved to the fans why. They should be getting their permanent deals, but I think I think Harrison Reed has, but obviously he's sort of been in and out of the side due to injury. But I think Harry Arter and Knockart are two players who definitely got a point to prove in the second half of the season.
1: Going, do you think that we're going to see more consistency or like a more solid eleven moving forward now? Do you think that Scott Parker has found his win- his? Best, the best that he can sort of cobble together well, with what well, he's got he's probably got.
3: getting more players back from injury now so he's actually able to pick the players that he wants he's had to chop and change so much this season mm. with like all the midfield practically out Kamara out for a little bit yeah, Knockart Mitrovic moving around the back the right back positions just chopped and change all the time yeah, he should have a strongest available
1: team to him coming up in the coming weeks. And, so and, and and that's just the perfect time to have them all available. Precisely, precisely. So, uh, thank you very much for your opinions there guys. We're going to move on to a slightly more kind of fan focused question right now and yeah, this is from South. This is from Steve, 1964, Southwest Six. That's a cracking Twitter handle there. Should the club lay on free coach travel to Derby, Forest, Leeds, and West Bromwich Albion? I feel we need to encourage people to travel away. Would Would you agree? Do you think this is an endeavour that the club should be putting on?
2: They should do. I think the only one which I think I could see them doing it for is Leeds because. Take we take Derby. You can get back to London on the same. I'm just going. What if like can you get back to London on the same night like, by public transport for Derby? You can do that. You can get a train to Birmingham New Street and you're back in London, albeit about one in the morning. But mm-hmm. I can't see them doing it for that. the The Forest game is obviously on Good Friday, so it's. A fairly easy transport options if you if you're traveling from St Pancras, then you've got obviously Leeds where you can't get back obviously on a Tuesday night. So they offered offered it for that. That'd be great. And then the final one was um, West
1: Brom. West Brom, yeah.
2: Again, a Saturday three o'clock game. Although I'm pretty sure when we did a Saturday three o'clock in the season, we went down. There was free coach travel on that day, or it was discounted coach travel on that day. I think it'd be a great thing for the club to do. I just can't see them doing it. And I think if if we're looking at if we're looking at these. You know, I think I don't. I think I've seen. There's nothing hugely expensive when it comes to public transport as long as you've got a rail card. So, and I the ju- money, and and the mo- obviously <laughs> and the money. But I mean, I, I'm like, it's not like a Newcastle or a Middlesbrough way it's yeah. possible to get to. I think I don't know. I I, I I just think it's down to how people want to prioritize their money. Really, if they if I, if, I, if they can't afford to go, they can't afford to go. I think that the fact like. I think it's going to be the case of the the closer we are to the top two and the more we're challenging naturally the more people that are going to come but there are it's not like any of these bar leads is a difficult thing to get to transport wise so it's not like the club are going to have increased pressure to put on, uh, like, free coaches, for example.
1: No, understood, understood. I I personally think it would be... A, a, I think it would be a, a gr- nice be
2: a great idea for them to do. I just, I'm just, i just trying to think of the reasoning why they wouldn't do
1: it. Yeah, yeah, playing plain devil's advocate, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, no, very valid points, gentlemen. alright we're going to round off with a question from... the inevitable question from Richard Bamber. Uh, anyone else think we've become a lot more savvy around time-wasting towards the end of matches? About bloody time as everyone else does. Okay, So I'm going to compartmentalise this question. First of all, do you think that we have? And then second of all, do you like to see it? Or are you a game purist in which you think that it's uh, frustrating?
0: No, I think we probably have. I think uh, I do love to see it. I, you know, I hate... I hate to blindly follow, you know, the the purest route when it, you know, doesn't serve you right. I think, um, like we touched on it earlier as well, like somebody like Abubakar Kamara is coming into his own a bit more, where he sort of realizes what his strengths and his weaknesses are, and he can. Uh, it, it, he's sort of symptomatic of this um, better game management, I guess, on the mm. pitch. Anyway, for the players knowing what to do to close out games, I think he. Um, it's he's doing it in his all-round game, understanding what he is good at and what he's not good at, and I think uh, he's, you know, he knows how to do these sorts of things as well. So I think, um, yeah, probably. Um, I am absolutely happy to see it. I mean, it's the most frustrating thing in the world when you don't do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, more power to your elbow, Scott.
1: Cool, especially especially when it's uh, done against you as well. There's, there's nothing worse, yeah. I don't think. Who do you think is the best in our lineup at the moment of doing it? Mijovic, I think is exceptional when he gets
2: Anthony to- Knockhart is actually very good at time wasting it's one of the only few things he's good at but it's time wasting <laughs> I, time if, the game that sticks in my mind I think it's just is it this Swansea away game from back in November end of November I, I think I, mem- I remember he, he came on to time waste right it was absolutely a sensational substitution from Scott Parker but yeah, it's one of the few things that knockout was good about, as you said, if you're looking at time wasting, Mitrovic had at Birmingham Away, yeah, was great. Here. And I think you know, when you've got those, you just need these sort of experience, more experienced players who sort of know what they're doing. Hmm. You know, Mitrovic knows where, where to take the ball. I think Knockart knows not even the time wasting, just the little things. That will wind the opposition fans up, like taking ages on a throw-in. Mm-hmm. It's not even just running the ball into a corner. I think Knockout just knows all these little nooks and crannies where he can he can get away with it, and you know it, maybe that's what you just need to bring him on for in the last ten minutes. For
3: wasn't him. the one game where it was coming towards the end and he won a throw-in. And He's just gone absolutely mental, gene up the crowd like just because yeah. they want to want to throw in.
2: You don't know. You as a referee,
0: you probably don't. You're less likely to sort of pull him up, aren't you? Because you just think it's part and parcel of the the game but i think what is it sam pim who said that we hadn't won by more than one goal since the end of november like that's symptomatic of of being able to close a game out isn't it because you know every single time you're going to have those nervy last five and we've obviously done it so I think the proof's in the pudding there isn't
3: it yeah it's, we're getting the results I just get really nervous when they switch quite early to five at the back I'm just like no this is
1: going to turn bad it doesn't but make any less nerve wracking does it but no that certainly doesn't certainly does not well um, thank you for everyone who sent in your listener questions and uh, yeah But next, uh, the next pod is on Thursday isn't it so if you want to get some in before then we'll be putting out a tweet and do get inside we're gonna be back. We've got a funny uh, little Reddit threat which, which features a um, an old uh, favourite Fulham haunt. So we're gonna to touch upon this and then have a quick preview of the backbone game before wrapping things up. We'll be right back. What's that mate? Yeah, it's what I thought. It's cool for has It's cool for has Name is Harry Arter, I'm on loan from Bournemouth Town I'm a naughty little player, but don't ask me to calm down People say I am here cos my brother in laws the boss But I always put a shift in and I'm tidy with a cross So you can tell I am committed cos I love a good head loss If you clip my ankles, I'll come at you with a fist I am a nutty psycho, but I'm not an epitest It's called cool for come on, let's do it Welcome back ladies and gentlemen thanks for sticking with us and this is the Fulhamish podcast I want to do So, I mean one of the things that obviously is most enjoyable about football is seeing your friends at the pub beforehand let's be honest I think we all choose to go to different haunts around Fulham I'm a golden lion loyalist myself Drew where do you normally go?
0: I usually... I'm going to expose myself here. I usually go to the blue boat, but I used to go to the Golden Line all the time. I don't know why I stopped. you got really a pay good. rise. <laughs> I got, probably got a pay rise, right, uh, I, I do love the Golden Line, And in fact, I'm going there before Barnsley for the first time in ages because I've got a mate coming up from up north who only comes to Fulham if we go there. You so mean coming down, back, right? Coming down, sorry, from up north. <laughs> Bloody hell, where are we? Yeah. And he only comes to Fulham if he gets to go to the, to the line. So we're going back.
3: Uh, Dora, wait, 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 you? I Dora usually Dora? go to at, at work.
0: Oh well, yeah. Right, right, Parsons
3: Green, so it's not too far of a walk, but.
1: Yeah, I suppose and Dom, Get, get my
3: discounted points You know
1: no, Very true very wise man he's, he's got the You can't see this on the podcast But Doris is sporting An exceptional beard <laughs> These days he's, he's he's challenging Drew For the uh, For the For the for the, for the crown Of best beard At Fulhamish And Dom I know I see you At the Goblin Line Quite a lot But uh, you, you sort of Fritter yeah, around yeah, I don't, don't you? I don't You're really, a connoisseur Of yeah, the I don't, local
2: I don't really I don't really
1: Stick to one place I sort of just You're a nomad
2: Like I like go to what I I got a list of places I've I've got a variety of places. Obviously there's the Rocket, obviously down by Putney Bridge. Obviously you said the Golden Lion, OSP on an occasion. Yeah. Um the one I probably go to most is the Cedar Tree on down Putney Bridge Road. Yeah. Um or used to be called the Norm people might know it more. Uh, sports shows football, got a pool table, got a dartboard. What I mean more could you want? I mean yeah, what more could you want and 'Cause it's not right in the centre of Fulham or right in the centre of Putney or like bang next to the ground, it's never actually that busy, so I have to queue for about eight hours to get a beer. So yeah, and there's there's still a fair few Fulhamie drink in there. So yeah, I'd say the bit one t- I go to most is probably the Cedar Tree, but you know, I'd sort of just float around wherever the wind wherever the wind takes me, wherever the booze <laughs> it wants me to enter. <laughs>
1: Whistle down the wind and then you'll find the dombecks. But the reason I bring it up, let's face it, we are spoiled for choice uh, for the establishments around Fulham before a game. But it was this thread that Sammy actually brought to my attention. It was on Reddit and the name of the thread is what's the best slash worst pub you've been to in London and why? And then a familiar name seemed to pop up. So this is um, a post from somebody on Reddit. I'm looking for proper shitholes. Reason being, I went to a proper shithole pub called the Golden Lion on Fulham High Street. I know a lot of people will, uh, including myself, will argue that. A couple of weeks ago and had the most nonsensical evening ever, but loved every second of it. I'll give you the rundown. Okay, so this, these are the reasons why it was so nonsensical, but yet so enjoyable. West Ham were playing on the telly, so the pub was full of angry young men. I think that's uh, the same goes for, for most Saturdays as well, that Fulham are playing. Slagging our football fans, eh? Yeah. <laughs> a no, bar fight broke out and the barmen just stood and watched. Before an angry woman separated them both and told them to grow up they then had a hug and apologized to each other it was quite sweet the next point is i was charged 480 for a double jack and coke then charged seven pounds for the next one i was then charged 560 for the next one it seems like the bar staff just make up the prices on the spot which is quite fun next point everything was sticky my seat the table the bar the floor and the ceiling didn't look too healthy either so sticky and this was my favourite point point. one man sat crying on his own everyone let him be as I'm sure he would have wanted it was an eventful evening but I just think that sums up what makes that pub so special is that you never know what, what you're going to be in for.
2: I think that is definitely before the renovation. You I was just going to say that
1: was it before or after.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's
1: a, it's a historic pub. The, the Clash played their first ever gig at the Golden Lion. Did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, so the story goes anyway. But going back on that renovation, it was quite funny because I felt like you had all these sort of uh, Fulham geezers that have been going to that pub for 50 odd years and it had been exactly the same. And then almost overnight it turned into into some kind of like shoreditch gastro yuppie pub and seeing their faces when they're reviewing the, the fact that you can get espresso martini literally on tap
2: it was, uh, it was what, quite a side to my whole thing about the renovation is, is we'll, we'll leave the toilets though <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll leave them they, it's not like they were the worst part of the pub in the first place uh, but speaking about you know the, not dodgy pubs but interesting pubs near a is Mr Fox and Hounds in Putney yeah, everyone. It's just it's a very very interesting place on a on a Saturday evening. Yeah, very. You know, DJ Dave on a Saturday night cannot be beaten for a Saturday night out.
1: I don't think I've ever uh, experienced DJ Dave. What, what what can the punter expect if they turn you up? You
2: can expect him remixing Eminem with. Total Africa. So, I mean, <laughs> I what, mean. What, what more? What more do you want in life? DJ Dave is just a wonderful human being, and if you haven't been to the Fox hounds on a Saturday, night, I highly recommend you go.
1: Oh, there we go. A ringing endorsement, if ever there was one, from uh, from Don Betts. This focus from away from Fulham and to Blackburn on Saturday. Anyone go in here?
2: Of Plus course, what? <laughs> yeah. What else we doing on a Saturday? <laughs> I've, I've Dom managed. I won't to list a full foot quote, but yeah, you get, you get the idea.
1: Dom and my little brother Fred managed to convince me to sort of. I would say I'm going to say it bullied, well, no, bullied you, me into well, getting
2: well, my you, my well, ticket. All your friends, but he said you were the only one not going. I mean, he shamed
1: me. Sad, he he shamed me into going, so I, I booked my uh, booked my my train ticket and my coach. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Can we think of any uh, memorable fixtures against? Well,
2: Blackburn? there is like o- <laughs> there's only one, it, isn't there? It, there is only one because it's usually absolutely. Terrible. I mean, there's memorable terrible ones mm. like when they were down to 10 men and we still lost like 3-0, I think it was. I think they gave a David Goodwillie score for them, but the only like positive one that sticks out for me was the Tom Kenny last-minute winner in 16-17. Yeah, we oh, Christ. I was thinking Sean Davis dancing, but you know, t- yeah, there was that. Oh. Well, because I, I, we well, I, I wasn't five at the time, obviously, there, <laughs> there was that memorable one <laughs> with Jesus Sean Christ. Davis, yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean, ones in recent memory, <laughs> sure. Okay, yeah, I did, yeah, didn't, didn't understand the question, no, no, <laughs> no, but obviously, there is the Sean, but I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, since you're then, right? yeah, correct, since then, what, what. I mean, there was the midweek one in the championship. I think first season we went down, or second season we went down. I think we lost 2 0. Absolutely terrible, freezing cold. Oh, but yeah, it yeah, is, is then too. When I said it's one point, obviously I meant in apart from the plainly, massively obvious one. Um, <laughs> five years old, mate. That's brilliant. I yeah, love that. Would have been five, would have been five years old at the time. Um, so yeah, I think apart from yeah, Sean Davis' skank and Kearney's last minute winner. And I, the Kearney last minute winner one w- w- was quite funny because I don't think many people went, I think. Maybe like four hundred five hundred it was definitely no it was definitely not up to a thousand there, and yeah I think like we, we were right down the front, and obviously you run down sort of towards the front to celebrate with the players. Kenny sort of runs one round one side of the goal and then sort of loops round, So then everyone sort of has run to one side to try to celebrate with Tom Kenny and then this runs back towards the other side, uh but it's going to be annoying this time because obviously we're going to be in um in the upper.
1: Yeah, it was a special moment that I do I do recall. Uh, yeah, so well, why is that? Do we, have you got know. any intel where this thing is? Is it a, is it a shithousery from the uh, the powers that be at Ewood Park? I think they, they've you know, been on?
2: doing it uh, a lot this season. I think other clubs have been in the upper this season as well. And obviously, Fulham aren't going to sell out the entire stand, are we? So. Yeah, no, I think Ewood Park's not exactly one of the grounds I've got great memories. As I said, actually being there, I've only got one, and then obviously there's the famous Sean Davis one that'll go down in legend. But yeah, no, I think hopefully we can just add another memory to that because there has just been so many miserable games. As Ben Jarman, I think it's famously said it is his least favourite place in the world. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think the
1: direct quote was, uh, the last time he went there, it was the worst day of his life. <laughs> 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 Which I think might be uh, a little bit grand. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. I think we'll leave it there. I've been George Cooper, and I've been joined by Don Betts hello hello Dara. goodbye, <laughs> goodbye. You, you completely forgot goodbye, where you tomorrow.
2: were yeah and I did. just
1: I thought I said <laughs> the name Don Betts <laughs> and it all sort of just came out of here but he <laughs> was on autopilot yeah. uh, Dara Cone thank you it's Andrew Heatley thank you very much we're going to be back with Fulhamish Extra which is going to be out on Thursday but until then you stay safe and yeah catch you in a bit cheers